WBEZ is supported by Chicago Humanities, presenting live events with historians Doris Kearns Goodwin and John Meacham, comedian Reggie Watts, and filmmaker Miranda July, and artists Hebrew Brantley and Amanda Williams in conversation. Plus, MSNBC chief correspondent Ali Velshi on small yet powerful acts of courage throughout history. Tickets for these events and more conversations on arts, culture, and current affairs at chicagohumanities.org. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. There are many points in our lives when we need extra care, when we're infants and kids, or when we're sick. And we definitely need care when we get into our golden years. But unlike being a kid, our elderly years are getting longer. The 2020 census showed the biggest increase in adults over 65 in a century. And most of us that age will need long-term care. Someone to help us eat, bathe, get dressed, or help with daily activities like cleaning or getting to appointments. And the caretaking, or figuring out how to pay for it, that usually involves some serious family discussions. So to get some insight, we're talking to Margaret LaRavier. She's Deputy Commissioner of Senior Services and Executive Director of the Chicago Area Agency on Aging. We're also talking to Larry Nysenson, Chief Growth Officer of Assured Allies. That's a tech startup collaborating with long-term care insurance companies. We'll also be hearing from your neighbors and their stories about caregiving. First, we heard a little bit about what Margaret does in her role. Our primary directive um, as senior services is to address the needs and concerns of older adults, to help in the efforts of them to live their best lives within their homes and communities. So what we know is that Chicago's population is growing older. Uh, One of the fastest populations um, that is growing is 85-year-olds. And so that speaks to the nature of caregiving. Those individuals will eventually need, if they don't already need, some form of assistance and support. And that comes from either families or friends. Um, So everyone is engaged in caregiving, typically in some form or fashion. Um, Yeah. Yeah. What are your thoughts, Uh, Larry? Uh, It's it's a great question, and Margaret really... Uh, hit the nail on the head when we talk about the impact, not just on the aging population, but really on their family. The unpaid caregivers, there's over 45 million of them currently in the U.S. that are doing double duty. Um, And part of it is around like forethought, foresight, and planning, right? Helping aging adults understand what's out ahead of them. There are roughly 65 million people over the age of 65, most of them have not planned for their long-term care needs. And as a result of not planning for it, are sort of foisting on their family and friends when they need that care to step in and provide it for them. And we're trying to provide them with certainly more education, awareness, and solutions to help plan better. Margaret, are we ready to to meet this challenge of providing long-term care for that many people? 
So I will say, and and this is also something you can look through a cultural lens, um, particularly within African-American families, Latino families, you have family taking care of families. Um, And so there is a reliance upon informal caregiving. Um, And so what's really tough about that is that that person who's providing the care um, also didn't plan for providing the care while working um, and while also taking care of their children or grandchildren. So I think whether we're ready or not, um, the issue is here. And what we try to do as a department is support those caregivers in their efforts to care for their loved ones. Um, Because uh, if caregivers are not able to provide that care, then what happens? People prematurely go into nursing homes and other institutions, and we want to prevent that. And and so we're clear, when we say long-term care, Margaret, what exactly do we mean? So um, there are long-term care facilities like nursing homes where they actually provide the care for, say, your mother or your father. Mm-hmm. Um, and it depends on when that individual goes into that nursing home facility. They could be there for a number of years. Um, there are supportive uh, care facilities, assistant living facilities. Mm-hmm. Um, And I will say with assistant uh, living facilities, you're looking at an additional expense that you didn't necessarily prepare for. Um, And so um, as a department, we try to support uh, parents and brothers and sisters with caring for individuals either in their homes um, or allowing that older adult to stay in their home and their community as long as possible because that's what they want to do. Yeah. Yeah. And Larry, long-term care insurance? I mean, we we need to consider adding another kind of insurance to our to-do lists? Can you believe yet there's one more insurance policy that we need to look at? It seems like we've got more than we know what to do with. But truthfully, as Margaret described the conundrum, right, this dilemma of what do people do, how do they pay for this care, There's such a a misunderstanding of thinking Medicare is going to pick up the cost of long-term care services. And frankly, that's just not the case because the care that we're talking about is really non-medical care, right? This is helping somebody get up out of bed, helping them get showered, get dressed, eat. These aren't things that are covered by Medicare. And what happens is this misnomer Right. People think it's going to cover it. Then they're in the situation where they need care and find out that they're uncovered. And that's where the family is sort of forced to step in. So long term care insurance really gets at what we would describe as this gap of coverage between the medical needs and the being able to facilitate and perform these daily activities of living. Yeah. And while many people are knee deep in caring for family members already, Others are just beginning the process of thinking about next life steps in terms of caregiving. So let's hear now from Dan Weissman, who's calling in. He's the host of the podcast, An Arm and a Leg. Hey, Dan. Hey, Sasha. How you doing? Doing well. I'm so glad you could make the time to join us. I understand your mom lives alone and she's 93. What's her situation? 93. Uh, She's awesome is the main part of her situation. Um, You know, she... She walks to a lot of errands and you know takes Uber and Lyft to others. Um, she hasn't been driving for the last couple of years. Um, you know, we play the spelling bee together every night. We spend a lot of time together. And we were just talking this week. I'm just so glad you're having this conversation now about like, well, what 
a little extra help could probably be good just to, you know, some of the some chores, some other things could be, be good to have somebody else around. And, yeah. you know, I think it's like we're lucky. I mean, like, you know, our in our family, like we're, you know, raising a kid 20 minutes away and, and running our lives and our jobs and, and we are, can't do those things, um, you know, any more than we're already uh, doing what we can. Yeah. And we're wondering like what I think as a family, we can um, all this like look at maybe paying somebody to do some of those things. But even then it's like, okay, where, where do we start? Yeah. Um, so what's the, what pri- what's the, pri- as you're having these conversations yeah. right now, um, and I'm so glad I'm catching you at the beginning of these talks. I mean, w- <laughs> then with all those variables you just described, what, what is top of mind then? Like, what is the priority you think? Is it just well, getting that ex- extra set of hands to help? I, I, I do think that would be awesome. And so like, yeah, uh, if anybody likes doing that kind of work and they would like a few hours a week and you're listening, um, you could pitch us. Because um, <laughs> <laughs> so I think one of the questions is like, what, what, what you know, who do you call? Where do you go? What's the, what, what should we expect to pay? Yeah. Um, and, and honestly, I mean, this is a conversation we've started to have of like, my mom has said, like, well, I don't know if I want, you know, some stranger hanging out in my house for There's that. hours at a time. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. So well, who's it, who's it, who's it, who's it going to be? And how do we, how do we find somebody who, you know, would be worth spending that kind of time with? Yeah. No, these are great points, Dan. I'm so glad you, you raised them. Thanks for checking in with us. We appreciate you. So, Larry, tell us, I mean, why create an aging plan to, to care for our loved ones rather than waiting until an emergency? Certainly this conversation, and you think about where Margaret's point was earlier about the reliance on family, Mm -hmm. right? In the absence of a plan, we say that, you know, it takes nine months to give birth to a kid and it takes nine seconds to become a a caregiver because nobody plans, those that don't plan for it, get that faithful phone call that something's happened to mom or dad or a loved one and immediately their life becomes upended. Whatever your plans were for that day and the next day and those days thereafter have now been cast to the side. So planning, if nothing else, allows you to determine who's going to pitch in. Are there siblings? Who's closest by? Who's furthest away? And who are the subject matter experts? Maybe there's somebody who's better on the finance side Mm -hmm. and another person who's better on the empathetic side who's a better caregiver. Planning is just simply a matter of saying when and if, how do we want to react? Yeah. And that can never be anything uh, other than a great thing to, to do. Anything to add, Margaret, as, as far as what the plan should include? Um, sure. Um, so uh, as a family, you want to work together to develop that plan. Yeah. Um, and you got to be on the same page you, you, about said plan. <laughs> you must be on the same page. Um, and you do want to talk about who will be responsible for care. And um, you want to think about what type of care may be needed. Um, but um, as previously said, sometimes you're not always sure um, what type of care that you're planning for. Um, there are various levels of dementia that occur that people never plan for. Mm. Um, and so... Um, what I would like to share as an agency with respect to that question of where you start, um, the great thing with the city is you can start with 311, um, calling and asking, um, who can I talk to about senior services? Um, and they will direct people to our department. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I may share the direct number to our department. Please do. Okay. It's information and assistance uh, helpline is 312 744 
312-744-4016. And so we take calls from seniors from across the city, from family members who, you know, are like, we need help. Where do we start? Yeah. And what we do is we kind of do an assessment over the phone in terms of what are your needs. Um, if you need in-home care support, um, you know, there is the community care program that's sponsored by the state. And that's um, a program its sole purpose is to help adults remain safely within their homes, within their communities. So you can be assessed for home-delivered meals. You can be assessed for in-home support. Mm -hmm. If you need some in-home modifications, um, say you need bathroom support. Oh, great. even with take care a, of all of that? With an elevated toilet seat. They will assist you with all of that after they make an appropriate assessment. That's wonderful. Yeah. Let's hear from another caller. Here's Laura in Elgin. Hey, Laura, welcome to the show. Hi, Sasha. I love the show. Um, and Thank this you. topic couldn't be, could not be more relevant. Um, I cared for my, my mother in the, um, final months of her life in my home and, um, and watched how her not sort of facing her own, um, mortality and was, um, it had a significant impact on myself and my sisters and our children. Um, so what I say is how we live is how we die. And so when we um, don't want to really kind of face reality and, and look at what is a, a, an absolute, we are all going to die, mm -hmm. then often that falls to the family to have to manage all of the, you know, emotional impact of that. The, the, the other side of that is my stepmother, um, who I've known, you know, who raised me for 36 years. She just died um, last month. And and the way that she approached death and, and that she was ready and made plans and, mm. and everything is going to be ready to go for her for her memorial. My watching me care for these two women and what it has taught my own children about how to really yeah. um, be prepared and not to and, and so that we're not a burden to our children. And and while I don't think these my mother wanted to be a burden. She just didn't know what she didn't know. Yeah. And so I would just say for those of us who are in that Gen X generation, the greatest gift that we can give our own children is to have these details worked out now, um, have a plan, have, yeah. you know, things in writing and start to prepare because yeah. the stress that it can cause is, is tremendous. And so I'm so grateful that I had a support system and and that yeah. I knew enough that I had to take care of me so I could take care of them. Right. Laura, thank you so much for sharing that. My sincere uh, condolences to you and, and the rest of your family. Larry, I mean, we just heard this from Laura and we can just imagine, right? This is this is a very emotionally fraught uh, situation. It requires a lot of communication, as we've been discussing among the family. How does your company work with families to, to approach conversations like what Laura described there around what, you know, what the care should look like. And in some cases, whether it's possible for our older relatives to stay in the home, right? There's an alternative known as aging in place. Sometimes they want to stay at home. How do you talk about that? Yeah, it's a great question. First of all, Laura, I, I heard everything you said and it really it's such a common but unique story at the same time. And one of the reasons that planning becomes so important is because at that moment of crisis, it's not the time for you and your siblings and your loved ones to try and figure it out, right? You want to spend as much quality time as you can with your, with the patient and your loved one 
not spend that time fighting over figuring out who's going to do what. And so I I hear you loud and clear and and, uh, also apologies for your loss. I I think um, the the role that we play in this planning phase, uh, Sasha, is really important that we have wellness coaches. We have, we call them allies that literally help guide these planning conversations between family members, whether somebody wants to age in place, which is always our goal. Um, Assured Allies was founded in 2017, and and our mission is really to help people um, age successfully, stay and age in place as long as possible, involve your family and your loved ones to help you in that journey. And then ultimately, if you need to go into another facility, that you get to make those decisions on your own. And part of what we do with our allies is we work with family members to really talk about who's doing the caregiving responsibility, who's taking what role, how can we plan effectively, and, and what role as a, an interested third party, right, who has maybe a little bit less of the emotion of the family and more of the subject matter expertise. How do we help them think through what this journey is going to look like? We're going to shift our conversation now to the rising costs of caregiving. Margaret's still with us. And now we're going to bring in Amy Goyer, the AARP's caregiving expert. Like most of us, Margaret is shocked by how expensive caregiving has become. Yes. Um, aging is expensive. <laughs> uh, and and that is an expense that you don't necessarily take into consideration. Um, as we said before, so many people across the city are caregivers. I'm a caregiver as well. Are you? Uh, I am. I am. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so it's so very important um, to be able to identify additional resources um, that you're able to use to, to support you. And I will just share the resources that we provide as a city is free um, because we know how expensive caregiving is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just an example of some of the resources that we provide for caregivers are caregiver respite. So um, there are caregivers who are working a full-time job, and then the second job is coming home and taking care of their loved ones. Mm -hmm. So we offer the opportunity for you to um, either use uh, on-site care uh, for your loved ones where you can have them in a, a facility if you need to. Go to the hospital yourself if you need to go out of town for a job, or you can bring someone into your home who can give you uh, a couple of hours of of break so that you can go to your own doctor's appointments or even just go to a movie. Because it's so stressful in terms of the care that you provide, you really need to be able to take some time for your own self help your own well-being, because if something happens to you, who's going to care for your loved Absolutely. one? Absolutely. Uh, and Amy, I know that you are, are or you cared for both of your parents. Tell us what that was like and, and how you coped with the cost of it all. Right. Yes, I absolutely did. I cared actually for both my parents and my sister at the same time. And many years before that, for my grandparents. With uh-huh. my parents, it was a very long haul. My dad had Alzheimer's, as his mother did. And we know that dementia caregivers spend more on average than other family caregivers. And uh, and I certainly did. Uh, my parents lived in a senior community for about three years and then moved in with me. And my dad was with me a, a total, uh, living with me six years. Mm-hmm. So I was um, altogether about 10 years of very intensive caregiving for multiple people. And what, what was the and, situation with your sister? 
So my sister had Cushing disease, and she lived on the other side of the country. So my parents were in Arizona. My sister was in Maryland on the eastern shore. Um, my mom had had a stroke, too, when she was only 63. So she had been living with that for 20 years. And, you know, their, my parents' uh, finances were depleted when I got involved. Um, and so I ended up, you know, spending so much of my own personal money and absorbing the costs that they couldn't pr- provide. I did keep working, which was a really good thing. Okay. But that meant I needed to pay caregivers to be with them, you know, when I Some was time. Uh, not working. Right. And then I had travel expenses. You know, many long-distance caregivers spend more money. Uh, I had to travel and check on my sister and do the best I could. When she passed away, I was the executor of her estate and had to close her house down, of course, and um, and get it sold. And, and, you know, it sold for less than it was uh, owed. And so I didn't mm. get reimbursed for any of those costs. So all of these things, you know, add up. And for me, um, the the key factors were the long distance aspects of it, mm-hmm. the having to have multiple people, caring for multiple people at the same time, having to pay caregivers, and, you know, the long haul of dementia. And I actually, after my dad passed away, I ended up in bankruptcy. And, you know, I am, um, as you've been talking about, you know, I've worked in the field of aging for almost 40 years now, and I absolutely maximized any supports my parents were eligible for. Right. You, you know better. all the avenues that you could that uh-huh. you can take just because of the work, right. the line of work that you do. And what you're saying now falls right in line with an AARP survey that we looked at earlier. It found that a quarter of mm-hmm. family caregivers stopped saving or uh, they went deeper into debt. Nearly a fifth of people who participated reported that they paid bills late or they stopped mm-hmm. paying altogether. And the cost of care- caregiving pushed 3% of respondents to file for bankruptcy. So very similar to your yeah. story. My I was one of them. And, and I'm an expert at this. So, you know, I'm not a financial expert. And I think that's the one piece that I wish I had done differently right. is that I wish I had a financial advisor for me. I had one for my parents and, and I was very, you know, good with their uh, finances. Yeah. But I, I wish I'd had someone advising me along the way. Right. You know, don't use so much of your own credit and don't do of those things because when you get to the point where you can only pay minimums on credit cards and you're paying for bills with credit cards and things like that, it, it just, you can't get it's out from under. It's a lot. I mean, you're nodding here in agreement, Margaret. What, what are you hearing from seniors? Because n- no one wants to incur these costs or create hardships for their family members. Exactly. Um, and I will say it it comes as a shock and a sur- surprise for seniors, right, who have worked all their life and they've built their next their nest egg. Um, and then um, as shared, um, something happens and you need a higher level of care. Um, and then you need to um, spend that money um, to, you know, work with a private caregiver. Um, and I will share that um, in caring for my mother, she had Parkinson's. And so I had to secure a private caregiver mm. um, while also trying to work and while also trying to balance her bills and, and my own. Mm-hmm. And so you do become a, a steward of the money that they save for retirement. Um, um, and we also had to sell her home and have her move in with me. Wow. Yeah, and, and a lot so, of decisions being made at the same time for your own living situation, your own finances, and your mother's. Exactly. Let's hear from another caller. Anita's been waiting. She's calling from the south suburbs. Hey, Anita, Welcome. Hello. Um, I just wanted to share that um, the planning part is really important and having 
um, a support system. My mom got uh, breast cancer in 2021, mm-hmm. right in the middle of COVID. And um, we were all scrambling to get COVID vaccines, um, get her vaccinated, um, you know, and it, it felt all four of her children, my father had already passed away, uh, were working. So uh, it, it, just trying to schedule chemotherapy, um, which was, you know, multiple times a week, and, and um, then radiation after that and, and the surgery, and then making sure that we were constantly masked up uh, yeah. when we were around her. Um, it took a toll. I, I was actually, I didn't know at the time, going through menopause. So when the other caller mentioned taking care of yourself, um, that goes out the window. You know, you don't realize that you're suffering until mm. until you know. And then I, I, I didn't realize I was going through menopause until this year. Um, <laughs> and I had a breakdown. And I stopped talking to my family because it was so much to go through. Um, and now I'm going through this guilt. Uh, my mom survived the cancer, and she's now in remission. But, I, you know, it's... It took a lot out of me, uh, and that that's the emotional cost, right? Yeah. Yeah, wow, that's that's a lot, and, and uh, my heart goes out to you, Anita, because that, that sounds like it was an extremely tough process. Amy, she says, I didn't even realize that I was going through th- something, right? I was going through menopause. Um, tell us, should folks, when we, when we talk about the cost piece of this, should folks consider putting aside money for their parents? I mean, what are the supports that AARP provides to help when you think about that, splitting the costs? Right. You know, one of the things that it's really helpful to do, and I heard you cited some of the data, you know, the the typical costs of care. AARP has a long-term care calculator calculator on the website. And you can put in your zip code and find out what the averages are in your area not just nationally, and, you know, get a sense of, oh, because when I work with caregivers, that's one of the biggest shocks. You know, they think, well, they can just go to assisted living. Mm -hmm. They don't realize that's going to cost four or $5,000 a month per person, Um, you know, and and so to really get an accurate view of what finances people have, um, you know, it's difficult to talk about money in families. It's not something that we discuss, right? But it's important to have those conversations with your loved ones so that you know how prepared they are, how much you may need to contribute. Um, AARP has a great site called Care to Talk where you can get these cards and almost makes it like a game. It kind of takes the tension out of it because the questions are there for you and you're not just out of the blue asking your mom mom and dad, tell me about your finances, you know, and and, and your wishes and how you want to live and where you want to live and that type of thing. And so that's another great tool. Yeah, Um, great. and, And I think, you know, one of the key things she said was, uh, you know, she wasn't aware of what was happening with her. We put ourselves last when we're caregiving, and often that can actually hurt us financially, too, because we put off health care, and we don't realize, you know, sometimes people will get very sick, and then they're not able to provide the care. Yeah. Well, so and, it, it's, it's really important to be pay attention to ourselves. No, this is all so great, and I'm, I'm running out of time, but I, I want to come back to you, Margaret, because families are also trying to navigate that maze of Medicare. So, Leave us with with important things that we should know when it comes to Medicare or Medicaid here. 
Yeah. So, um, yes, um, both Medicare and Medicaid are important uh, supports. Um, for instance, with Medicare, there are services that will uh, lessen the cost of prescription medication. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're using Medicare to help navigate that care for your loved ones. Um, and then I also just want to point out you have families that are middle class families, um, lower income families who aren't just going to be able to plan and save for for care. Um, so with respect to that, we do want to encourage people to lean on city and state resources yeah. like our department. Yeah. And I want to give that number out that you shared earlier. It was the Chicago Senior Services Hotline. Uh, 312-744-4016. I think we had some folks calling to get that number again. We'll have to leave it there. Margaret LaRavier is the Deputy Commissioner of Senior Services and Executive Director of the Chicago Area Agency on Aging. And Amy Goyer is the AARP's National Family and Caregiving Expert. Thank you both so much. Thank you. This episode of Reset was produced by Linnea Dominic, and it was edited by Andrew Merriweather and Dan Tucker. Get Reset in your inbox every morning by subscribing to our newsletter. It's a great way to get caught up on the biggest headlines and find out what your neighbors are up to. Go to wbez.org slash Reset News to sign up. That's all for this morning. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We'll talk to you this afternoon. Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day.